Good morning. Let's pray our corporate prayer for the day. Our Father in heaven, thank you that you make all things new every day. Thank you for the power and victory we have in your name. When we were dead in our sins, you made us alive with Christ. You cancelled the law with all its rules and regulations that were against us. You took it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, you made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them by the cross. Our reality is now found only in Christ. For this we are truly thankful. When Jesus was raised from the grave, he paved the way for us to have real life with you. Thank you for your amazing plan throughout the ages. We rejoice also in the hope ahead of us. Renew our minds and lives for the days ahead. We pray for your refreshing over us. Keep your words of truth planted firmly within us. Help us to keep focused on whatever is pure and right and give us the power to be obedient to your word. Thank you that you are an ever-present help in times of trouble. Father, shine your light in us and through us. May we make a difference in this world for your glory and your purposes. May we reflect your peace and hope to a world that so desperately needs your presence and healing. You love this world so much that you gave your one and only Son that we might be called your children too. Father, help us to live in the gladness and grace of Resurrection Sunday every day. We have hearts of thankfulness for your sacrifice. We see your grace and rejoice in our salvation. And we have all this in Jesus' name. Thank you, Willie. As you're praying, I was just taken back by the by the truth of how you prayed John three sixteen. You know, God loves this world so much. He really does. He loves all that He's created. And he loves every single person uh, that has ever existed and will ever exist. He loves us so much. And he's given himself up for us, which is what we celebrated at Easter time. And it really flows into our um, series that we've been looking at. And today we wrap up our series, which is we've been talking about love where you're at. And really expanding the great uh, commandment that Jesus uh, shares that we should love God with all of our heart, soul, mind and strength and out of that love our neighbour as ourself. And as we love God and as we cherish all that he has done for us and wasn't it just wonderful this morning, it was wonderful hearing your voices uh, praising God together as we declare and celebrate all that God has done for us, something happens in our hearts. There's an overflowing uh, well of joy and, 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 and peace and, and righteousness, and that, that then overflows into loving our neighbour. You know, it doesn't start with loving our neighbour. It doesn't start with that. It starts with loving God. And out of that, out of that experience flows a natural uh, way of loving our neighbour as ourselves. So just to simply recap uh, the last couple of weeks, the first week we talked about uh, loving our neighbour literally means neighbour. Uh, so often we, we look at 
trying to um, clarify who is our neighbour and, and, and maybe looking at lots of different people. But we have a great opportunity, a wonderful opportunity for those that God's placed us right next door to, that he has placed us there uh, in, in a divine way. And uh, Imby's laughing because you're right next to your neighbour there at the moment, aren't you? <laughs> yep. They, they're living together. That's okay. Um, and... But we've got this great opportunity to love our literal neighbours. And then uh, the second week we looked at our spheres of influence. Each and every one of us has uh, places we go, uh, workplaces, uh, family, uh, buildings, and we talked about our people, the people that we come across. We talked about the places that we go and we talked about the passions that we have that God uses in our spheres of influence. So whether that be a recreational passion or a ministry passion, uh, God uses those to enable us to love our neighbours. The third week, we looked at uh, how we go about loving our neighbours. We talked about the message of the gospel, that uh, to love our neighbours with the message of the gospel is paramount. Our manner is important, isn't it? not to be uh, bossy or, or pushy, but to be loving and to be using those moments, those, those Holy Spirit moments that come across us day by day, those opportunities and to be aware of those um, to love our neighbours. And in that, so often we have this paradigm which is we should share the truth and live our lives you know, it's kind of like we're, we're declaring uh, the truth of the gospel and then we go and hide and have our own lives. And that, that's not uh, the way that we should live. It should be flipped around. We should share our lives. And as we share our lives, we're actually living out the truth in us and people see that truth um, in our lives and are drawn to it. So this week, uh, we're looking at really as we end the series, we're going back to the start as we end the series, we're going back to the start where it all begins, and which is what we talked about at, and at the very beginning. Our motivation to love is a reflection of what God has already done for us. For it says in 1 John uh, 4, 9, 19, we love because God first loved us. We don't love because it's something we long to do and push and, and have a desire to do. No, the love that we have for others comes out of a reflection of the fact that he loved us first. And so there's a bit of a play on words here. And I've chosen love where you're at on purpose because as I was thinking about this uh, series, I thought love where you're at as in we should love where we're at, the location, but also love is where we're at. Love is uh, where we're at, as in Jesus is in us, and where we go, he goes. And God loves the world so much that the places we are at, God is at, and he is working and evident. So a bit of a play on words there. But I want to talk about two points this morning. How... First of all, is that we reflect his love by stepping into other people's perspectives. God came to us and stepped into our world, and we reflect that uh, notion, and we step into other people's worlds. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is that we sang alive in us this morning because the Holy Spirit is alive in us, that Jesus is with us. And as we go into our spheres of influence, uh, he goes with us. 
We are not alone uh, in sharing God's love, but he is there alongside us. And in fact, he goes before us. So I want to look at uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Uh, it's a very well-known parable, and it actually follows in Luke's account of the Great Commandment. Uh, a, a young uh, expert in the law comes to Jesus and he says, uh, you know, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus asks him, well, what do you think it is? And he says, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbour as yourself. And then, uh, then after that comes this particular parable. So if you've got your Bibles and you want to read along or you can read along on the screen, Luke chapter 10. So after that interaction with the uh, expert in the law, um, Jesus says, you've answered correctly. That is true. That's the greatest commandment. Do this and you will live. I find that's a really interesting statement. To do this and you will live. What does he mean by that? That you'll, you'll kind of, your heart will beat and you'll have uh, air in your lungs. No, you, you'll have that, the, the life that you long for, the, the, the prospering, the flourishing of life if we love God and love our neighbors ourselves. But here's the interesting thing. He said, he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? He wanted to justify himself. Now, as I was preparing this this week, this just really uh, struck a chord with me and reminded me how we all do what this expert in the law does, in that the word of God comes to us and it impacts our lives and we know what we ought to do and how we ought to live. But some of us, and many of us, me included, go, hang on a minute, let me just tell you about my situation. Let me tell you about my life and why perhaps I can't do that. Uh, my work is busy. My family life is full. Um, you know, I've got, got a lot of pressure in life. Jesus, you don't know about these things. Let me justify my world and, and make it so that I feel comfortable with the fact that maybe I'm not actually living out Jesus' calling. And that's precisely what this man is doing. He's wanting to justify himself. So he's an expert in the law and he's got his, his followers, his friendship, his clique, his group, which are other experts in the law, and he feels like he's kind of above and he's on the plane that is above uh, people around him. And he's wanting to just say, my neighbours are just my friends. My neighbours are the people who think like me. My neighbours are the people who act like me and have got it all together. And Jesus challenges that and he tells a story. In reply, Jesus says, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. Now this, um, many of you would know, this particular road was a known place for robbers to be at. It was, uh, uh, there was drops a thousand meters from Jerusalem to Jericho, and it was very rocky. There's lots of places for bandits to hide and to, to hijack pe- travelers who were traveling on that road. So it was a it was a well known dangerous place. So when Jesus tells this story, they're all like, "Ah, I know what you're talking about. That road." And he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan. Now we know 
uh, scripturally that the Samaritans and the Jews didn't get along. Uh, they despised one another as a people group. And this Samaritan took pity on the Jew. The Samaritan, as he travelled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, he bandaged his wounds, pouring oil on and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey and brought him to an inn to, to, to take care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him. And he said, when I return, I'll reimburse you for extra expense that you have. So the love that the Samaritan showed this man wasn't just uh, took pity on him and, and just it wasn't just words, but it was an extremely practical love. He took him on his own donkey. He, he paid expense and he even went to the innkeeper who must have trusted him <laughs> and said, if, if it costs more to look after him, I'll, I'll reimburse you. And Jesus says to the man who's asked the question and to the crowd, which of these three do you think was a neighbour to the man who fell into hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, well, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Isn't that interesting? Go and do likewise. It's a command that fits in with love your neighbour as yourself to go and do likewise. So there are three people here who interact with the man who's beaten up and left half dead. There's the priest. The priest comes along. Now, if you know anything about uh, Old Testament times and what the priest did, the priest would have had to have gone through a number of uh, cleansing rituals for weeks on end in order to uh, do his priestly duties in the temple. So, And part of that was um, the ceremonial washing, but there were also a whole heap of rules uh, in which you couldn't uh, you know, be touching a dead person or someone who had disease. And so he sees this person and he, and he thinks, well, I've got a job to do. I've got a priority, which is to uh, do this role in the temple. And if I go help this man, I then defy myself and I undo all those rituals that makes me able to, to participate in the temple worship. And so he, he sees that and thinks, well, maybe I don't want to go and show mercy and, and help this person because it's not going to make me not able to do my role. And so for the priest, his priorities were his duties, was his, his job. His priority wasn't loving his neighbour. And perhaps some of us might relate to that. Perhaps the priest was thinking, well, what will people think? What will people think if I can't, I can't do my priestly roles in the temple? That's going to be tragic for people. They're not going to be able to come and, and offer their sacrifices to God. What will people think? Did that thought of what will people think stop him from loving his neighbour? And then the Levite, in a similar way, comes along. And for him, perhaps, maybe reading into it a bit, but he sees a man half dead and it's a known place for robbers and bandits. And, and one of the ways in which they get more people is they pretend someone's dead 
They put like a bait out there and someone comes to go help them and then they jump on them. And so perhaps this Levite was worried about his safety. He had fear. Was fear something that was holding him back from loving his enemy, loving his neighbour? And the Samaritan then comes along who was known to be despised, that the two people groups hated one another. And Jesus says, love your enemies. And here we see in action that this Samaritan comes and he gives himself up and he loves this man even though culturally uh, he should have despised him. And, of course, the simple message that we see in this parable is that Jesus is saying our neighbour isn't just those who are close to you, those who are in your clique, those who are like you, those who are in your close circle, that there's nothing that segregates us from the definition of nature. There's no race, no colour, no ethnicity, no culture, not even the fact that people that you don't like your enemies. Now, we could stop right there and ask a question. Who in your life is your most despised or disliked person in your workplace or or something? Who's someone that you're just like, oh, I really don't like them? Jesus is saying that's your neighbour and he's calling you to love your neighbour. Now, the first listeners to this parable uh, would have seen themselves in it. In fact, Jesus often used everyday occurrences and life uh, for the very purpose that people could see themselves in it. So whether it be farming or fishing uh, or just talking about the, the, the geographical places that they knew. And so straight away, the, the very first listeners of parables, they saw themselves in the story. And the characters in that they could perhaps relate to. Who am I in the story? Am I the priest whose uh, duties or care about what people think is stopping me from loving my neighbour? Am I the Levite? Am I perhaps scared and fearful of sharing uh, love with those around me? In fact, if Jesus told this parable today, maybe there'd be another character in the story that we would relate to. If, if you were in the story and you were walking down the road, what would Jesus bring out of that character that he's speaking to us today that perhaps stops us from loving our neighbour? But there's something very interesting in this parable in the language that it uses. It says that both the priest and the Levite pass on the other side. Did you pick that up as we read it? And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place, saw him and he passed by on the other side. Compare that with the Samaritan. Samaritan saw him, he took pity, and he went to him. He actually went into the space that he was at. The Samaritan was the one who came into this beaten up man's world. The priest and the Levite stood at a distance. There was the road between them. They were on this side and he was on that side. But it was the Samaritan who entered this man's world. 
He entered into his experience. He entered into his perspective. He entered into his space and came alongside him to practically help and to love him. He was empathetic to this man's situation. He was empathetic. Empathy is where a person puts themselves in another person's position in order to understand them and their world and to therefore act accordingly. Uh, The dictionary says that empathy is the capacity to understand or feel what another person is experiencing from within their frame of reference. That is, the capacity to place oneself in another's position. Um, Harper Lee in To Kill a Mockingbird, uh, there's a quote in this book that says, you'll never really know a man until you understand things from his point of view, until you climb into his skin and walk around in it. I love that quote. It's almost like the quote, we can't understand someone until we walk a mile in their shoes. So it is uh, with this man and the picture that we have here uh, in the parable. We see a man who actually entered into another man's perspective to see what he was feeling and what he was experiencing. See, what's often overlooked at in this story is we think about the priest, we think about the Levite, and we think about the Samaritan. There's actually another person in the story. And the other person is the story that was the man that was travelling to start with. And the man that was travelling was travelling by himself on a known road that was dangerous. And I reckon the first listeners to this parable might have said, well, serves him right. (laughs) What a silly thing to do. What a twit. Who walks by themselves down a dangerous road where there's known robbers who come to attack people? I mean, that's just a ridiculous thing to do. The first first (laughs) first people would have pointed their finger at this man and said, it's your own fault. It serves you right. In fact, as I was reading this, I was aware that this is exactly what I do with my kids when they hurt themselves. They're running inside or they're trying to carry too much and they drop something. Or, and the first, my first response is, well, you shouldn't have been running or you shouldn't have been carrying too much. You shouldn't have done that. It's, of course it's going to happen, you, you little person. <laughs> <laughs> serves you right. That's the first response I have. Interesting. That's the first response I have, and yet that's precisely what Jesus is saying here. The first response should have been to to tell this man off, to say, well, you deserve it. But no, they don't point fingers. The Samaritan doesn't tell him off. He actually comes into his space comes into his world and sees the pain that he has and he empathises with him and he sees what life is like even though he's stuffed up, even though he's made a bad choice. He doesn't point it out and beat him up for doing the wrong thing and he loves him. He crosses over, he enters his world and I think when it comes to loving our neighbour, that's one of the 
the biggest lessons we need to learn. So many people in our world have made grave mistakes, have lived a lifestyle that has consequences on their life, that there is great pain and suffering, they've been beaten up by their own choices. And I think sometimes we come and we go, well, that's happened because you didn't do this or you didn't do that and you should have done this, you should have lived like me. Look at me, I haven't done those wrong things. And that's so the wrong approach. The Samaritan came alongside him. He didn't turn him off, but he loved him. I'm reminded that um, I love to drive my car and get to where I'm going in a timely fashion. Let's just call it in a timely fashion. And quite often when you're perhaps in a hurry or needing to get somewhere in a timely fashion, someone will come across your path who is not driving in a timely fashion, (laughs) who perhaps stops at a roundabout for no apparent reason, who doesn't jump into that gap when they could have. And so often I'm frustrated uh, when I'm driving. And I'm... When I'm by myself, perhaps sometimes a few words come out directed at the person who's driving the car in front of me. And when I'm with uh, Joe, some of those words come out. And Joe often reminds me in those situations, she says, You don't know what day they've had. You don't know, they might have just come out of a doctor's appointment and had some bad news about health. They might have just had a phone call from a friend who's given them some bad news. They might have um, forgotten their glasses and they don't want to put people out and so they're doing the best that they can. It's a great example, isn't it, of what it means to have empathy, to put ourselves into someone else's shoes and to understand their way of life. So this is exactly what Jesus has done for us and how he has shown his love for us. It says in uh, Philippians 2, Paul encouraged us to have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, to have the same way of thinking and the same approach that Jesus had, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Jesus didn't think, well, I'm God, everything's wonderful, everything's rosy, I'm up high and almighty, I'm going I'm to make um, a, a thing of my position No, he lowered himself. He made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And we sang about that this morning in Alive in Us. He stepped down into our world. Jesus came to us. He entered our space. He entered our side of the road and he came alongside of our suffering and our being beaten up by life's bandits and where they're broken and we're bruised and we're hurt and we're suffering. And Jesus stepped into that space. He stepped into that world for you and me in order that he might love us and be alongside us just like the Samaritan.
Samaritan is a Jesus figure in this story who comes into the, our space, who carries us on his shoulders and he carries us out of that and into the space of life and love that he has for us. That is what Jesus has done for us. And if you don't know that that's what Jesus has done for you, then you need to discover how loving and how amazing Jesus is and the fact that he wants to bring you on his own donkey and carry you to a new place, out of that place of suffering and hardship and into a wonderful life with him, whole and healed in his presence. And so uh, in, so Jesus has become, he's come into our space, he's, he's entered into our world, he's, he's shown that kind of love. And because Jesus became a man, he then qualifies himself to be our priest. In fact, in uh, Hebrews chapter 2, it says, because Jesus came a man, he then qualifies himself to become our priest. And the priest was the one through whom we had access to the Father. So Jesus becomes our, our access and our way to this life that he has for us. And in Hebrews, I think it should be Hebrews 4, not 14, sorry, uh, it says, that we don't have a high priest who is unable to empathise. Interesting language, isn't it? He's not unable to empathise with our weakness. In fact, he knows exactly what it's like to live our life. We have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Have you ever been to, in a situation, perhaps a funeral or something where you're longing to show comfort and and empathy and sympathy for someone who's gone through something 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 but the words come out like i can't even begin to imagine what you're going through have you ever said words like that to someone i can't even begin to imagine the pain and the suffering that you are experiencing that can't be said for jesus jesus knows and understands the pain and the suffering, for he went through it himself. He went through the beating, the betrayal, the uh, being left alone, the suffering, the suffering servant, what a saviour. So Jesus stepped into our existence. He stepped onto our side of the road and we have a saviour who knows what it's like to empathise with our experience. So love is where you're at because Jesus entered our world and came to us. Love is where we are at because Jesus came to us. And we emulate that love. We follow that example by then going to others, by stepping into their space, that our we enter into their world, into their shoes. Second point I want to make, and it's another play on words, love where you're at, is that love is always where we're at because Christ lives in us. His spirit lives in us. And this Jesus that we spoke of that showed what love is actually lives in us. 
Therefore, where we go, love goes. Therefore, the spaces in which we occupy and, and live out our lives, he goes before us and he is present in those places. Jesus just isn't alive in the church. Hallelujah. <laughs> he is active in the world. And when we see what he is doing, it is often so much easier to participate and be encouraged in, in participating with him in loving our neighbour because we can see that God's already at work and that his spirit is alive in the world. So love is always where we're at because Christ lives in us and that love goes into those spaces, into the other side of the road. See, many of us, I think, relate mostly to the Levite when it comes to sharing and loving our neighbour. We are scared. We're fearful of what it might be. And I think that fear comes from thinking that it's up to us. It's up to me and my ability to be able to love my neighbour. It's up to me and what's inside of me and, and my skills and my efforts in able to, to make a difference in the world. Well, I've got good news for you this morning. As I declare to you, it's not up to you. It's not up to you and your abilities and your skill. It's actually the power of the spirit that is at work in us, that Jesus is alive in us and that we carry that life and that power. It says in uh, two, two verses that, that speaks of this in 2 Corinthians, do you not realise that Christ Jesus lives in you? And one of our famous choruses from a long time ago, I no longer live, but Christ that lives in no, but Christ lives in me. What a what a wonderful promise that is. And uh, Cody so wonderfully shared in his testimony um, how he was th- thinking about you know, am I saved? How do I know that I'm saved? And he clocked off at the orchard at eight eleven, didn't you, Cody? And he and he didn't have a Bible, so he just typed into Google Bible eight eleven, and came up with Romans eight eleven. And I was actually going to share this on Sunday, Cody. You didn't realise this, but we didn't have time, so it's great to talk about it this morning. The Spirit of God, who raised Christ Jesus from the dead, lives in you. Isn't that just the most wow statement? The power that raised Christ from the dead. Who, who thinks that they've got some good power in, in, their, in their lives? Do you think your own life you can raise someone from the dead? <laughs> but the power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. That the Spirit of God lives in us and we carry that same power into our spheres of influence, into our workplace into our world, and that same power empowers us to love others as Christ loved us, that it is not up to us and our ability and our, our efforts, but that power that is alive in us empowers us to smile, to have a word, to speak truth and love, to, to have action, to put people on our donkeys and, and lead them into healing and life 
in Christ. What an amazing thing. I remember um, when I was in Bible college, uh, I think I've told this story before, I was so taken aback by the story of Keith Green and I was reading No Compromise. If you haven't done that, I encourage you to do it. Uh, It's his personal um, stories and and documenting his life. And I, I was just amazed by this man and, and so I wanted to emulate the type of life that he led by going and sharing the gospel with, with people around me. And um, I'd, I was in a band at that stage and we'd often finish really late at night and I had all my band equipment in the car and I'd, I'd park to get a pie on West Terrace. And I just felt convicted. I thought, I've just got to go share this good news with someone. And I was like, Hindley Street's right there. That, that's full of people who need to hear the good message of Jesus. And so I got out of my car and with full passion and drive, I walked down the street. I'm like, maybe this person's going to be it. Maybe that person's going to be it. I'm going to lead someone to Christ tonight. And I walk up to someone and they'd, they'd say hello and try to invite me into a place that I was like, no, 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 not that. And I'd keep walking and, and then I'd get to the end. And I was like, well, I haven't come across anyone yet. So I turned around and started walking back the other way. And about halfway back towards the car, I just ended up in a sprint. And I was running away (laughs) because I was so, so scared. But I was going in my own strength. I was thinking that I could do something. I could make a difference just through my character and my my ability to to say something. I was going to make a difference. I wasn't aware of the power that was in in me and it would be that spirit of God that would make a difference. The same is with us. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us and to empower us to make a difference in this world. And if you haven't experienced an infilling of the Holy Spirit, perhaps you could ask for that to empower you to make a difference in your sphere of influence. In fact, I'm going to get the the music team up. And we're going to sing the song that we sang at the very start, Alive in Us. And it may be, maybe today you want to know this Jesus that we spoke of, this Jesus that came into your world. Perhaps there's some pain, there's some suffering. Perhaps you're feeling beaten up by life's bandits and you're feeling like you're half dead on the side of the road and you need a Samaritan to come and to pick you up, to bind your wounds, to heal you and to lead you into a new life. Well, I want to say that Jesus is that Samaritan. And Jesus is here and he makes an invitation to you to come into your space, to come to your side of the road. Would you take his hand this morning and say, Jesus, I want you to be my good Samaritan. I want you to be my saviour in my life. You can do that as we, we sing this song. You might even want to come out and kneel at the front. There's some space here. Come and just quietly pray and offer your life to him. There can be some people to come and pray with you. But secondly, 
The power that raised Christ from the dead, the Spirit of God lives in us. Perhaps some of us have had an experience of what it knows is to have the Holy Spirit dwell in us and to make himself known. Perhaps there's a, a chance for that experience to happen again this morning, that you might fully surrender to God and say, I've been working in my own strength. I've been walking down the Heinley Street of life trying to make a difference and I'm scared and I need your presence in my life to make a difference. That might be you too. And there might be an opportunity for you as we sing again to just simply come and say, Holy Spirit, would you fill me afresh? Would you fill me anew? May I know your presence with me. May I know that power that has worked within my life, that I might go out and make that difference that you're calling me to do. When he said to the, to the expert in the law, go and do the same, I think we all long to do the same. We all long to make a difference. We can't do it by ourselves. We take Christ with us into the world. So as we just sing this next song, just encourage you to ask God to speak. Uh, and, and if he's calling you to a newness in him, a life in him, just to, just to be open to that. And if you're someone who's known Jesus for a long time, but you're just longing again for that, just in filling of the Spirit, just to come, to make a difference in your world, you can, in your seat, just pray. Or you can come out the front. You can have someone pray with you and ask for God to speak and to fill you again. So let's just come. Let's stand. Let's come with uh, an attitude of openness to God. For He is alive in us and He is alive here and He is willing and able to do more than we can think or imagine. So let's just come with an open heart and offer ourselves to Him now. you that if you've uh, heard from the Lord this morning, to not go away and not to act on that, that there'd be people here who'd love to just hear your story, to come alongside you and to pray with you. So invite the um, space here to be open. We might just continue to pray as the service finishes. Feel free to come here at the front and have a chat to someone. Or if you'd like prayer in the prayer room, uh, to, to go do that. just want to end with, with a, the verse from Philippians, the bit before, the bit that we read. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, and if any comfort from His love. Do you have comfort from His love? I do. If any fellowship with the Spirit. Do you have fellowship with the Spirit? If any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, 
having the same love, the same type of love as Christ, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. May that be our prayer as we go out and make a difference in the world. The Lord bless you as you go from this place.